0: Listening to Breast Cancer Connection, where we connect you with breast cancer experts on what you need to know to navigate your experience. Hello, I'm Kathy Amendolea, and today we're talking about the types of testing available for breast cancer, the difference between key testing terms within biomarker and genetic testing, and how to make sense of these to ensure you are receiving the right test at the right time. Helping us discuss this topic is our guest expert, Dr. Brandon Sheffield. Dr. Sheffield is a pathologist, medical director of IHC and molecular pathology and physician lead research at William Osler Health System. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Sheffield.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Uh, Thanks for inviting me here, Kathy.
0: So, Dr. Sheffield, today we're talking about types of testing within breast cancer, genetic, genomic, and biomarker testing, including how these tests differ from each other. Patients and sometimes providers may confuse these testing terms. In simple terms, what is genetic testing versus genomic testing, and help our listeners understand what distinguishes them from each
1: other? Uh, definitely, I, I think that it's uh, it's very understandable that patients might be confused by these different terminologies and. Uh, On behalf of the entire uh, laboratory community, I'd have to apologize for that. The uh, key differences uh, when we're talking about genes versus genomes is that a gene is an individual unit. Uh, One gene is present in the DNA and is like an instruction to make an individual protein. When we look at... All the genes in the the body, a a human has about 20,000 or more of these. We refer to that as a genome. Uh, So omics or genomics is looking at the sum of all of our genes, whereas a gene or genetics is looking at one gene at a time. Uh, Sometimes commercial uh, entities will use the term genomics inappropriately to describe a set of genes, really to try and impart that a certain test is more uh, comprehensive or capturing uh, more than just a few genes. So they will uh, inappropriately uh, use the term genomics, even though it's not looking at an entire uh, human genome.
0: Well, thank you for those definitions. They're very helpful. So moving on to biomarker testing, can you tell us how it is different from genetic testing?
1: Certainly. So biomarker is another uh, term that I think would be helpful to define for our listeners. And really a biomarker is anything that can tell your doctors or give them a clue about what's happening on the inside of your body or with your cancer. I like to think of the most ideal biomarker as the pregnancy test or beta-HCG. This is something that we can measure in urine or blood, and it tells a doctor that a patient is pregnant if it's positive. Uh, So just like the same way doctors use the pregnancy test to get a clue about what's going on on the inside of our bodies, oncologists and other cancer care doctors will use other uh, biomarkers to give them a clue as to how that cancer is going to behave and how it might respond to different therapies.
0: So can you also talk about the key differences between genetic testing for inherited mutations such as the BRCA1 and BRCA2 and genetic testing for inherited cancer risks. There's often confusion around that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So we we just mentioned biomarkers and a biomarker can really be anything. This could be a gene, a particular gene mutation. It could be a protein. And biomarker is really a catch-all term for anything that we can measure. In terms of uh, genetic testing, Some of those uh, tests are done on uh, what we call a patient's germline, and that's the part of our body that's healthy, that's the DNA that's going to be passed on through our our eggs or our sperm onto the next generation. And in that area, we can capture certain mutations like BRCA1 or BRCA2 that lead to known uh, syndromes in which patients and their family members will have an increased risk for breast cancer. Sometimes we can pick up a certain germline genetic mutations that are associated with an increased risk for breast cancer, but they're not part of a named syndrome like the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes with hereditary breast and ovarian cancer. And that type of genetic testing is different from the type of genetic testing that an oncologist might perform on a tumor sample, which would give them a clue as to how that tumor is going to behave and respond to therapy. And similarly, the genetic changes present within a tumor would not be passed down to the next generation or be uh, heritable.
0: So how would that test be performed on a tumor tissue to help with the diagnosis and determining the treatment approaches?
1: So most cancer patients uh, over the course of their journey will undergo a biopsy. And this is where a doctor would take a small piece of tumor and send it to the laboratory. During this time, we would look at that small little piece of uh, tumor under the microscope and make a diagnosis. Uh, We could also perform additional genetic tests on that uh, small piece of tumor. And those would serve as biomarkers to help uh, tell a doctor or an oncologist uh, what type of treatment would be best and how the patient might respond to that particular treatment. We can also use uh, tumors that are removed during surgical procedures, uh, as that's another way that tumor tissue can get out of a patient and into the hospital laboratory. It's very different from hereditary testing, where we can test any cells in the body. So this could be a saliva or a Blood sample or, or even hair. But for uh, tumor based biomarkers, we tend to use little pieces of the tumor from a biopsy procedure or from a, a surgical excision.
0: Are there any eligibility criteria for genetic testing for tumor tissue?
1: That's a, a difficult question. So the majority of breast cancer patients will get a standard of, of care. Biomarkers, and these are typically uh, things like estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, or another marker called HER2. After we complete that first stage of biomarkers, the patients are are sorted into different categories like hormone-positive breast cancer or something we'll call a triple-negative breast cancer. From there, there's additional biomarkers, additional proteins, and additional genetic tests that might be more applicable to patients in one category uh, versus another. Uh, So for instance, immunotherapy Is uh, being increasingly utilized, but this is typically only done in those patients who have a quote unquote triple negative breast cancer. So additional testing will be performed on those types of tumors.
0: Okay, thank you. So thank you for uh, taking us through each of these testing terms. Does someone need to have a breast cancer diagnosis to get any of these tests, or are there scenarios where someone who is at risk can get certain testing as well.
1: That's another really good question. So when we talk about uh, tumor biomarkers, these are tests that will help inform an oncologist about the best uh, treatment to utilize. So certainly somebody who did not have a breast cancer would not want to undergo such testing. And because these are performed on, on tumor tissue, without a cancer diagnosis, we would have nothing really to test but some individuals may have a concern about their risk of developing breast cancer, either because they've had a, a close family member who's been affected or a strong family history. Certainly it is possible to uh, seek out the advice of a hereditary cancer professional. And that would probably be the best first step rather than uh, launching straight into some genetic testing. And typically if A person has a family member who was affected by breast cancer this would be the best individual to start the testing with. So we test somebody who we know has had breast cancer. And then based on the results of that test, we'd know the best approach in the unaffected family members. Of course, sometimes that initial case of breast cancer in the family might be somebody who's passed away a long time ago, or might be someone who lives in a different part of the world, or or even somebody who's not willing to participate in this type of testing. So of course, there's always uh, circumstances where we might have to start by testing an unaffected, uh, healthy individual.
0: So what standard of care tests are available when somebody is diagnosed with breast cancer? If someone is diagnosed with a breast cancer and they determine that they have a hereditary form, what would the family members be told to do? And should family members automatically be tested?
1: So uh, I think that would really depend on the individual uh, case. So if, if somebody has been diagnosed with a hereditary cancer syndrome, typically uh, the genetic professional who's made the diagnosis would issue a letter to anybody in that patient's family. And uh, it would be the responsibility of that clinic to seek out uh, those family members and let them know that they may benefit from being tested.
0: So would you say that the standard of care is that when the oncologist provides the information to the person diagnosed, he or she automatically will tell the family that there could be testing for them? Or is it up to the individual to seek their own testing?
1: Okay, so I think that we're kind of mixing up two different types of genetics here. And it's very common for us to do that. So When somebody is sick with breast cancer and needs treatment, the type of genetic testing that they'll undergo will be personalized to them and to their cancer. And that's the type of testing and results that a patient would typically discuss uh, with an oncologist. And these would tell us whether the patient would benefit from hormone therapy versus targeted therapy versus immune therapy or possibly even no therapy at all if there's a concern about hereditary breast cancer or a hereditary breast cancer syndrome, typically that type of testing and the counseling uh, associated with it would be done by a hereditary cancer practitioner. So it's often done outside of a medical oncology space and you know, I always tell people that the best time to do that is not when you're sick with with cancer and undergoing treatment, but that can actually be done when a person has a little bit of time to to catch up and either not dealing with the uh, issues surrounding their, their current breast cancer treatment.
0: Okay, that helps clarify some questions. Moving on, so the understanding is that standard of care biomarker testing can be done multiple times during a patient's breast cancer diagnosis and treatment, if necessary. Can you tell us why some of these tests would be repeated?
1: Yes. So some of the biomarkers, and and we keep coming back to these uh, big uh, three that we run, that is the estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, and and HER2. And these are protein-based tests. They're not gene sequencing. We actually uh, run them as a visual test where we would look at the results uh, under a microscope slide and anytime breast cancer tissue comes through the laboratory uh, whether it's a first diagnosis resection after a surgical procedure or a recurrence uh, where the patient has undergone a a new biopsy we tend to repeat these markers and this is really because these define the, the major treatment decisions for breast cancer patients and When a patient has multiple occurrences of a breast cancer, we want to make sure that it's actually the same breast cancer that we're dealing with. It's not uncommon uh, for a patient to have had a second new breast cancer, which might be different than a recurrence of an original breast cancer. And also, the expression of these markers. Can change over time. So if a patient has been treated with hormone therapy and now has a recurrence of their cancer, we want to check and see that that cancer is still going to be sensitive to that same hormone therapy, as sometimes they can change over the course of treatment. And so these markers, they're a little bit like the clothes we wear on the outside. There's nothing stopping us from uh, wearing A different jacket than we normally wear uh, each day. And we want to see if the tumor is uh, dressed up any differently than it has been in the past.
0: Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about how testing can help determine the right course of targeted treatment for patients. For example, how does your work as a laboratory physician inform a patient's diagnosis or potential course of treatment?
1: That's another great question. And, you know, patients normally don't see their laboratory uh, doctor, uh, at least not normally anyways. So the first uh, way in which we'll determine the course of treatment is by making an accurate diagnosis. Uh, We want to be able to tell the difference between benign breast disease, lumps and bumps, versus uh, more serious uh, malignant disease like cancer, as the treatment of those two would vary significantly. When we do make a cancer diagnosis, we then want to make sure that we're, we're dealing with the right type of cancer. So we can run certain tests as well as examine the tissue under a microscope and look for clues that'll tell us if a cancer is coming from the breast or the lung or the colon, because each of these uh, different sites will have, uh, give rise to different types of cancers and the treatments of each of them can be very different. Once we know that we're dealing with a breast cancer, we want to try and sort this out into one of the major categories, like to know if this would be responsive to hormone therapy uh, versus targeted therapy for molecules like HER2, or if this would be uh, what we know of as a triple negative breast cancer, which might be a more aggressive disease uh, requiring matching uh, aggressive therapy. And beyond that, We can do additional tests for emerging targeted therapies. Uh, So, just to summarize that, we want to make a correct diagnosis in terms of cancer versus benign disease, accurately subtype the cancer, and then help an oncologist decide on the most appropriate therapy to use for that patient.
0: And what would these factors be that would give you the insight on the degree of the aggressiveness of a patient's cancer? Because those are the things that concern patients when they're waiting for their pathology reports to come back.
1: So yeah, the biomarkers, uh, so things like hormone receptors would be one indication of how aggressive the nature of any given cancer will be. In addition to that, Even just looking at uh, the tumor cells under the microscope gives us a sense of how aggressive the tumor will be. We can see if something looks very close to normal breast tissue, we'll use the term well differentiated versus if uh, the tumor cells look very different from the breast cells where they came from, we'll say that a tumor is very poorly differentiated and that can be associated with a more aggressive nature of the disease. There are additional tests that can be done which help us determine if a tumor is going to follow an aggressive clinical course versus uh, a more indolent clinical course. And those are, again, genetic tests. And these look at gene expression. So, how uh, which genes are turned on versus turned off. And oncologists will sometimes use those to help them make decisions about when to use uh, chemotherapy versus uh, not.
0: Thank you. So now I'd like to ask you a little bit about accessing testing and the differences that may exist across the provinces or regions. We all know that there are big differences and big gaps in our country.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, this is the case. We try our best to make sure that all Canadians have equitable access to cancer treatment and uh, testing is a major component of cancer treatment. But inevitably, uh, disparities do exist uh, between the provinces. Whenever something becomes newly available, there's always going to be one province that has it first and another province that has it last in addition to that, we do see uh, differences from time to time, even uh, within provinces, between hospitals, between cities, and there's always differences in terms of how uh, patients are treated in urban centers uh, versus rural centers. And as healthcare practitioners, we all work within a niche area, and we do our best to advocate for the best possible treatments for patients within the uh, populations we serve. Uh, so acknowledging that those disparities do exist is important. And then it, it does fall on every healthcare worker, but also on the patients too, to make sure that we, we close the gaps uh, that we're facing in our individual regions.
0: And sometimes patients face challenges with shared decision making or having these conversations with their healthcare providers. Are there any resources tips or advice that you would recommend for patients to learn more about testing and breast cancer?
1: So I, th- I think that the, you know, you're listening to the CBCN uh, podcast, and I think this network is a uh, tremendous resource to, to help connect you with other patients and uh, just to, to be able to listen in to uh, events like this and to, to gain a little bit more information and knowledge about uh, what's going on uh, with your treatment with your disease. And, you know, any amount of knowledge that you can gain is very helpful. Knowledge is very much power when it comes to making these decisions. And in the modern day, we do uh, rely on patients a lot to make their own uh, treatment decisions and to take responsibility for those decisions. Uh, So the more you're able to learn about what goes into this, the better.
0: And finally if you could leave our audience with one key takeaway about the benefits of testing in breast cancer what would that be
1: I think that over the past decades we've made a tremendous strides in really understanding the inner workings of uh, not just breast cancer but all cancers and We're very lucky to have a lot of this technology available to us, but at the same time, it can produce an overwhelming amount of information. So just remember that you're not alone and that your doctors are there to help you digest this and to help you make the best possible decision using all of this information uh, and synthesizing it into a way that suits your own uh, personal lifestyle and your own desires and your own choices. So even though this is all available and it is possible to go look for test results on your own, please work with your doctor because they're really there to help you navigate and guide through this uh, complicated process.
0: Thank you, Dr. Shetfield. I know this discussion today will be extremely helpful to our
1: listeners. Thank you so much, Kathy. It's been uh, great to be uh, a guest here.
0: So that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us on this episode of Breast Cancer Connection, and thanks again for listening. For information and resources discussed today, take a look at our episode show notes and visit cbcn.ca to learn more. You can also find us on social media. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and join us next time for another episode of Breast Cancer Connection.